Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast of Word First Ministries. Tune in each week and join us as we pursue God's command to make disciples of all nations. What is up, you guys? Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast brought to you by Word First Ministries. I'm your host, Jacob O'Neill. And as always, I'm joined by my good friends, Bailey and Cameron. Yo, hey. Bailey, pray us in, man. Of course. Jesus, we love you very much. And we pray that today you would help us to um, just understand your um, gospel and how um, others look at your gospel, how others um, have heard your gospel and how they've heard it changed and modified and distorted. Um, also that we could know how to better explain it to um, every person that we encounter um, so that your good news could be made clear to their ears. So Lord, we love you. We dedicate this time to you. We pray that you help us in it. In your name, amen. Amen. Uh, so recently, uh, the two of us uh, got an opportunity through our school and our, uh, I guess, Baptist Seminary, yeah, <laughs> HLT. We love yeah. you, HLT. Um, and we got the opportunity to visit different religious services uh, from different religions that uh, are in Oslo mm-hmm. and uh, just to experience them, to write a paper about them, about yeah, how good. it's different from our Western kind of conception of worship. Mm-hmm. Um and they're very different. I can't wait to hear about yours, yeah. but very different from even the way that Norwegians uh, have typically worshipped uh, from our experience. Mm. Um, but what was interesting about that, what we really wanted to talk about was the way that these religions kind of approach uh, what their gospel is, their yeah. like message for the world. So we, we, they're a branch of Islam that we visited and Buddhism that we'll get into mm. and talk about uh, their kind of presentation of the go- their gospel mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of ties into a topic that I know that you love and have so much patience for. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said it on a, uh, at an episode weeks, months ago, oh. um, that everybody wants a slice of Jesus. Yeah. Something everybody like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I noticed that in the, uh, uh, studying in the world religions class, all these different religions mm-hmm. have their kind of opinions about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, what are we as Christians supposed to make of that? What do you yeah. mean when you talk about people? Yeah, want a slice so I mean, of like everybody wants. I, I I stole that kind of from Lee Strobel. Yeah. So, um, uh, which was great. So what he what he noticed was you have all these sort of religious traditions and these sort of new. I think he calls them designer religions, where there's this cultural phenomenon where everyone just says you're allowed to believe whatever you want, but for some reason everybody wants to like bring Jesus into mm. into their tradition. So. Some will say that he ventured to India and became an, a guru or a bodhisattva or mm. the, the sort of new age pagan crowd. They talk about Jesus as an ascended master. Incidentally, that's kind of how the, the uh, so-called progressive Christians talk about Jesus mm. as, as like a personification of the one or some, something like that. Um, and the, you know, in Islam, he's regarded as the, as the most important of all of the prophets. And in fact, most Muslims will say that yeah, Jesus is the Messiah. They have a very different idea of what that is. Mm. But every, so everyone wants a part of Jesus. And what you don't see a lot of is just like denouncing who Jesus mm. is and what he's up to. Like, no, he was wrong. And these are the reasons. What they all do is they kind of try and, and bring Jesus into their, try and accommodate what Jesus was saying into their into their beliefs, and mm-hmm. so everyone wants a slice. Everyone wants a slice of him. Everyone wants to appear as though they revere Jesus what he was saying, but try and cast him as though he was saying something important about Islam or something important about you know the particular flavor of Buddhism or something like that. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of 
to me that that is an interesting phenomenon because yeah. it's not like like Christians don't do that with like <laughs> or, or like could you hmm. Muslims get like so. Um, uh, it is a it, it's an inflammatory subject, but yeah. they get very angry, very very upset if you mock the prophet, right. or if you attribute things to Muhammad that he never said, or mm-hmm. if you if you uh, by way of satire uh, produce commentary on right. some of Muhammad's ideas. Yeah, uh, they get like very inflamed and upset. Mm-hmm. I feel like kind of like that's. Everyone having a slice of Jesus is like the normal thing. Like I don't think <laughs> Christians, like yeah. obviously Christians care, but like I don't feel like everyone's just like, oh yeah, no, Jesus was just a good teacher, and we can yeah. have, you know, this part of what Jesus said, and right. we like the love your neighbor stuff. Yeah, and yeah, Jesus was just a good guy. Well, that's interesting, also, right? So it's not just religious traditions that try and import Jesus. You have faithless traditions. Yeah. So you have uh, atheists, functional atheists agnostics, whatever. I hate putting people in boxes like that, but you get sure. some, some idea. But like people who don't believe in God at all or people who are not particularist about religion or something like that, they all want Jesus also. Right. And, the, and they'll tell you Christians have, misunderstand, have misunderstood him. Mm. And then what they try and do is make Jesus into a humanist or an agnostic or, <laughs> or whatever, usually not an atheist. But even the atheists, they want a piece of Jesus to say, well, yeah, I mean, his followers just made up all of that divinity stuff. Yeah. Really, he was just a dude with interesting ideas like Buddha and Gandhi and Nelson Mandela or something like that. I have heard someone say, uh, this is a direct quote, uh, someone as intelligent as Jesus would have been an atheist. Right. You know who said that? You know who said that? Dawkins. Oh, he did. Richard oh, Dawkins. My God. <laughs> I stopped listening to him a long time yeah. ago. Uh, we love you, Richard, but I mean, we don't love you. Uh, <laughs> Not like that. Yeah. We love you. Uh, and uh, you need to repent. Yeah. You need to. I hope he comes mm-hmm. to his senses, but goodness yeah. gracious, what a silly thing to say. Yeah. yeah. And um, did you want to say anything about that? that, that no, I just, um, I think it's probably like majorly due to Jesus is like the hardest historical figure to deny. Like it's foolish if you're going to be like, oh, he doesn't exist. Or mm. if you're just going to ignore him when mm. you're uh, making faith claims or anything like that. Um, but it's interesting, like when you pointed out that Christianity doesn't like really even care about other gods and other um, figures in different faiths. Like Mm -hmm. we just don't talk about them really. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting that Jesus makes his way into each religion and, you know, is somehow seen a different way or did. Yeah. Everyone wants to make Jesus a prophet of their worldview, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to me. And what's interesting to me is how is the lengths that people go to, to ignore the things he very clearly said Mm -hmm. or to make him say stuff that he for sure didn't. Mm -hmm. So, so that's interesting. I think just like locating that phenomenon and trying to understand it um, is really, really important help to understand like people's worldview and, and maybe something about the truth of the world. It's like, wait a minute, how come everyone wants a piece of this guy? Mm. I mean, if you think right. about it in context, you, for, you forgive me, I, I don't intend to be blasphemous because of, of course Jesus was obviously the most important person who has ever lived. But isn't that interesting? He was kind of a weird prophet right. in first century Palestine who did ministry among among Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. is it that the whole world was turned upside, upside down over that guy? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's interesting that everyone wants a piece of him. Everyone wants something good to say, wants to say nice and good things about Jesus. But of course, you know, we've talked about it before, like that whole line of reasoning where Jesus was, he would forget all of that. 
the way, the truth, and the life stuff. Forget all of that <laughs> mm. son of God nonsense. But he had some really good ideas and, and Lewis makes the point and this is what we've discussed is that just isn't one of the options. Like you can't mm. take or leave Jesus on those terms. You can't mm. say uh, he was good except for all of this I'm God stuff. <laughs> like, right. that's, just, that's not one of the options, right? Either, either if he was wrong about the nature of God, then either he was lying and he should be condemned or – he was he sincerely believed it, but he was wrong and delusional or something. In that case, uh, he's his mental health is called into question. Is somebody to be pitied? Just like um, I don't know. You, we spent time in San Diego. Like I've met lots of Jesuses at Balboa Beach or Balboa <laughs> sure. Park. Right? I get you. Not yeah, Balboa I get Beach it. In Balboa Park, yeah. lots of guys who claim to be Jesus, and I've never once taken any of them seriously. Um, because we don't with people like that. Anyways, I know that's not exactly no. what we came to talk about, but it is an interesting no, no, phenomenon that Jesus, like he hasn't made his way into any of these traditions, but every sort of faith tradition worldview seems to want to get a hold mm-hmm. of him and make him a spokesperson for their way of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it, it really attests to another thing C.S. Lewis said. I'm pretty sure yeah. he said this. We'll see. So yeah, someone <laughs> will find out. Yeah. Um, but it's like, the one thing that Christianity can't be or that Jesus can't be is unimportant. Mm. Um, and so you can deny that Jesus existed. Fine. You can mm. deny that Jesus was God. You can deny that he is the Messiah or that he is, uh, the way to have eternal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't deny, uh, that he's important. Right. And I think that it's really interesting. And I think we've, we're, it's going to become really evident when we start talking about the different religious services we visited. Um, but that, it, it, Jesus is a like central like pillar in mm-hmm. all of these different faith traditions. Yeah. And, and and he's a, very interesting. He's a like a a spark in human history. Right. So I'm really interested to hear about your guy. We've talked a little bit about it, but we've kind of like purposefully not wanted to hear too much because I I really wanted to save it for this conversation mm-hmm. to hear what you guys learned at your at your various uh, religious services. Sure. Well, how about I go Let's, ahead and kick it off, if you don't mind? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, you heard a very uh, direct distortion of Jesus. So yes. <laughs> so, and I want to get into that. Uh, so, uh, I guess I will. So, uh, the uh, religion that I I didn't get to pick uh, that was assigned to me uh, to write a paper about uh, was Ahmadiyya Islam. Mm. I hope I pronounced that correctly i'll approve it right. i'll stamp no it idea. thank you the one you got to yeah. um i don't know if that's how you pronounce it he i asked him to help me the imam who's uh, at the mosque to pronounce it for me several times and yeah. he did very kindly um and i just yeah that's best yeah sometimes that's the best you can do i'm we're learning norwegian working, that's yeah we're working on one language that's right. one language at a time but it's a branch uh well Depending on who you ask, it's mm-hmm. a branch of Islam, yeah. uh, mainstream Islam, uh, Sunni and Shia Islam, which is what most people have heard of is like the mm-hmm. two denominations, branches. Mm-hmm. Branches, branches yeah. is a more correct Yeah, word. branches is probably better. Um, of Islam. Uh, they, actually, they do not consider um, uh, Mahadiyya uh, Orthodox Islam. Mm-hmm. They do not consider them Muslims. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is kind of like a uh, – they are, according to Sunni and Shia Muslims, uh, they're like Mormons, basically, like yeah. to us. That would be like the comparison. I guess I get that. So, mm. so the Mormons are people who call themselves, well, depending on the day, I guess, but call themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. And and some people want to include, like when you count all the Christians in the world, they include right. the Mormons. But Orthodox Christians would say, no, 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 no. The Mormons are not, they're not Christian. They They just are sort of misusing some of the some of the characters yeah. from the true story, something mm. like that. It's like, it's like fan fiction. Or oh, gosh. <laughs> yes. 
and we'll get into the fan fiction. <laughs> but um, so uh, it's it, kind of like that. Uh, yeah. I do agree with that sentiment. I also think there's a little there's a little more of a sense. Whereas uh, from an outsider perspective, which mm-hmm. I certainly am, yeah. I'm a Westerner who has only ever worshipped uh, in mainstream Western worship. I mm-hmm. was, I had no familiarity with what Eastern worship was like. I yeah. just, how, mm-hmm. how would I? I yeah, would, sure. I've never been to a mosque before. Um, but it's also the sense of like, from an outsider perspective, it feels like Islam. It has a lot of elements of Islam. They read from the Quran and mm-hmm. they worship like Muslims do. Um, but it's, but from the insider perspective mm-hmm. of like the orthodox like Muslim view, yeah. um, according to mainstream Islam, they have actually like way strayed from Muhammad's yeah. original message. Well, that's interesting. So that it doesn't. So Mormons of Islam may be an excellent description because when we lived in Salt Lake, we visited the temple, right. and it's the same thing. I was like, whoa, this all kind of sounds right, and the imagery is correct, and the tradition is really familiar, and the mm-hmm. the language is familiar, and the stories that you're telling seem seem all right. Uh, maybe it counts, but it turns out in terms of actual Orthodox theology, they've they're uh, they deny essential parts of 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 uh, legitimate bona fide Christian theism. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as we love Mormons, um, it, it's the true Jesus they need to turn to. And I'm yeah. going to get into that, mm-hmm. especially talking about this. So right. uh, we visited the mosque, and uh, so very different from like kind of the West we've talked about this church model several times mm-hmm. on the podcast of like a big stage in front with a rock band and smoke yeah. machines and lights and stuff. Yeah. That's a typical, uh, American, uh, Christian worship. Mm-hmm. That's almost every church. Yeah. Basically every church yeah. I've ever been to, um, has that style of worship, mm-hmm. uh, here in the mosque. Uh, first of all, the mosque, uh, is designed in uh, like, I saw a couple pictures of some mosques. They're all designed in such a way where all of the worship is directed towards Mecca. Mm -hmm. So the building has to be built a certain way, a certain direction. Mm -hmm. All of the worship is on the floor. There's Mm -hmm. no stage to be spoken of Mm -hmm. there. It's all acapella worship. Yeah. And their worship, they sing the Quran. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mm-hmm. thought that somebody uh, just stood in front, the imam possibly, and just preached from the Quran. They mm-hmm. don't. They sing the Quran. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. And there's no – they don't have like sheet music in front of them or tabs. Uh, <laughs> they, don't have, uh, they, they don't have anything like prompting the melody and how they go. It's all completely from memory. Yeah. Huh. And I just – that was very different, of yeah. course. I don't think it, it would be like – it would literally be like somebody opening up the book of Psalms and just singing it a cappella. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, what? what's the melody? We're like, well, I, I've just yeah. known this melody like since I was a kid. Right. So yeah. uh, that's just the first difference of how v- worlds away the, diff- mm-hmm. the worship was from were, what I was used to. Were they singing in Arabic? They were. And did you have any oh. – have any um, – uh, any sense of how many of the people actually spoke Arabic that were that were there? That's a great question. So um, I, I talked to the I got the chance to talk to the imam uh-huh. afterwards. That's uh, and that's like that's like going to be the meat of mm-hmm. uh, what we talk about, mm-hmm. um, at least as far as my visit was concerned. Um, but I, I asked them. I was like, so what? You know, uh, everybody in there was Middle Eastern. There mm-hmm. were no Norwegians yeah. there. Um, and they all spoke uh, Urdu, yeah. I believe, because yeah. they're from Pakistan. Yeah. So mm-hmm. these are not Muslims who were born in Norway, Muslims who immigrated from Pakistan. Mm. Um, well, that was Nabil Qureshi, right, who you've, you've mentioned and uh, we've talked about before. And that was his story, right? So his family spoke Urdu, and mm-hmm. the, but memorized from an early age, memorized the Quran in Arabic because that's the, 
that's yeah. sort of the the view is that it's that's the original and perfect and best language. And if you don't mm-hmm. know the Quran in Arabic, then you don't know it at all. That's right. So, there, so, so it's your sense then that you have a congregation or, or whatever you want to call them, a congregation of people singing the Quran in Arabic. Yeah, and that's not their that's not, that's their, not their language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I didn't get the sense that any of them spoke Arabic. Yeah. Is the is the answer to your question? Yeah, yeah. But they sung the Quran in Arabic, and I didn't know this, but I was it was confirmed several times. If you've read the Quran in English or Norwegian or mm-hmm. in, a, in a different language, what you're reading, according to Islam, is not a Quran. Right. It's a commentary on the Quran. Huh. Hmm. It, you, it, unless you've read the Quran in Arabic, you've never read the Quran. Yeah, interesting. Oh, well. And that that's like – it would be like saying I have to read the Bible in Greek right? right? I, or the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I have to read the New Testament in Greek or I've never read the New Testament. Right. Some people actually do learn Greek, uh, Koine Greek for that yeah. purpose is because they, yeah. uh, the Greek they think is more pure. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's another reason that, that people <laughs> learn Koine <laughs> to read the New Testament. Well, that's what we, I'm not making fun of that. That's what people have told me. But yeah. anyways, <laughs> we know you know Greek. Yeah. Thank you. No, no, that's not the point. But the point is, never mind. Anyways, so I got the chance to sit uh, with the imam afterwards. He mm-hmm. uh, uh, pulled me and Marissa actually uh, into his office and uh, fed us, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave us some Pakistani candy and some home, uh, homemade Pakistani uh, sweets and stuff. And that was uh, really sweet of him. Mm-hmm. And so we got to sit down and just have a conversation about what separates their branch of Islam from the mainstream. Right. The, the, the ones that we're familiar with. Oh, yeah. It's like only roughly a little over like a million Muslims in the world identify mm. with this branch. It's wow. very, very small. And some of them are in Oslo. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. About two, 3,000 of them are in, are in wow. Oslo. Wow. Mm. They're evangelistic. Yeah. They're working. They're working yeah, yeah. to uh, get was converts. That how many were at the service you attended? Or no. Was that like? Uh, gosh. 50, 60 people yeah. probably. By uh, Muslim standards uh, from uh, as far as I understand, I have not researched this like super in depth. But looking at different mosques, visiting a couple different mosques, the, this mosque was like the mega church of mosques. mosques. So uh-huh. what I mean by that is that is the largest is a very big room for mm-hmm. lots of people to fit in. It was very accessible. Like it didn't look particularly mosque-ish. Yeah. So the other mm-hmm. mosques I visited were very beautiful and very uh, – like it looked like you picked up a building from Pakistan and yeah. just dropped it in Norway. Mm, right, right, right. It was designed – all the writing on the walls were all in Arabic. Mm-hmm. But this one, it looked very accessible. It was very comfy inside. Mm. There was no Arabic everywhere. Like it was like blank white walls that had like paintings of their founder and different mm. – it was very like comfortable. Like it felt like as an outsider – coming in it felt like oh i understand everything that's written here it it, it, i feel familiar it's it's comfy to me uh and so that was interesting i took note of that Mm -hmm. that that it was uh that kind of vibe that they were giving off uh for newcomers um but we're sitting down with the imam and i ask him you know what separates this uh branch of islam from the mainstream branches Mm -hmm. um and really what it does is they believe that in I don't exactly know uh, the date, which is terrible. I should have had it written down here. In the 19th century, mm-hmm. this gentleman here, I'm going to butcher the name. Is that right? It's this gentleman. Is that okay? It's this gentleman. Yes, it's this gentleman right here. I'm going to butcher this name, but his last name Ahmed is wow. where the name comes from. Yeah. Uh, 
this gentleman uh, was uh, from India in the 19th century. Uh, and he claimed to be, get this guys, he claimed to be the promised Messiah. Hmm. He came to, came to be hmm. a reincarnation or a second coming of Jesus, mm-hmm. Muhammad, mm. Buddha, mm. and Krishna. Whoa. That's a lucky guy. Um, but yes, so uh, that obviously struck me by surprise. And so his main selling point was that, you know, Sunni Shia Muslims are waiting for Muhammad to come back. Mm. Christians are waiting for Jesus to come back. Um, uh, Buddha's, uh, Buddha, this is his words, yeah. Buddhists are waiting for Buddha to come back. And uh, Hindus are waiting for some the next incarnation of Vishnu to come back, mm-hmm. which was Krishna, yeah. uh, according to Hindu theology. And so according to them, that all happened in the in a single incarnation of this one guy. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what he came to teach, this is a book, like I said, written by him. According to them, uh, this is not on uh, equal level with the Quran, mm-hmm. I believe, because the Quran is a perfect book to yeah. them. Mm-hmm. But this is, as far as I'm concerned, authoritative scripture like for wow. them, for hmm. Mahadiya Islams. Is this book Jesus in India? In this book. It's called Jesus in India. Thank hmm. you, Cameron. Yeah. Um, and this gentleman uh, taught that Jesus survived his crucifixion mm-hmm. as a result of a conspiracy between Pilate mm. and the disciples mm-hmm. and Joseph of Arimathea uh, and did not ascend into heaven, but went, moved to India where he died a natural death mm. at 126 years old. Wow. So just real quick to get you guys involved, according to the Christian worldview, how, how does that happen? Is that, how does that square against biblical Christianity? Yeah, I have so much to say, yeah. so I'm going to shut up and just kick it over to Bailey. Why don't, why don't you start? Yeah, I don't know what I would say other than it doesn't happen. <laughs> just, yeah. Like, um, it'd be interesting. Did um, In that book, does he get into any sort of historical evidence or anything to prove his claims? Or Yeah. Yes. Because okay. uh, so. <laughs> I can't imagine. So I think it's the view that there was some <laughs> Jewish diaspora in Afghanistan. That's right. And, and Jesus makes India. it to Punjab. Jewish diaspora. Yeah. Sorry, diaspora in India. Okay. Yes. And so these are uh, descendants of the Jews. And they, so they take um, – He goes to find the lost sheep who are in – in uh, I think it says Afghanistan, but Afghanistan, India, that part of the world, yeah, to preach to them, and then he dies in India, mm-hmm. hmm. basically, hmm. and yeah, and so uh, I I have read it, um, and and tried to give it a fair shake um, with some of the arguments. Uh, I will no, I'm not going to quote uh, anything from it, but I mean, so he makes some kind of arguments that like. There, there's evidence in the Gospels that Jesus survived his crucifixion, mm. which is like uh, I've read them in Greek. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so since yeah. you read them in Greek, is in there the any evidence form. from the Gospels that he survived his crucifixion? I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't know how it's, you get that. I do not know how you get that interpretation. Mm. So this kind of theory, this uh, it's called the swoon theory that yeah. Jesus survived his resurrection. It's he an survived action. the crucifixion, right? Sorry, yes, yeah. he did survive his resurrection. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I misspoke, um, obviously, uh, that he survived his crucifixion. It is yeah. a real theory, mm-hmm. but it's in mainstream scholarship, it's very fringe. Like well, I've heard that from, mm-hmm. from naturalists. So, uh, yeah. well, naturalists and from uh, Muslims a lot, right? So the idea is Jesus can't have died on the cross. Yeah. Um, so one, it's one of the ways to explain his resurrection appearances or 
for some people way to explain like the 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 um messiah can't die or at least can't die in that way and so he appeared to have died but he didn't and i mean if you're a naturalist either like i guess that's one of the one of the explanations but it doesn't square against the evidence yeah well i mean all of and that's the thing one of one of the things that really interested me about this book is that he spends like 50 pages Mm -hmm. going through the gospels and he's like no here's the gospels uh, that actually like uh, prove that Jesus survived his resurrections. Mm. So uh, here's the kind of stuff that they point out just so we can kind of understand the thinking behind yeah. it. Um, they'll point to like, it says in the gospel of John, I believe that the disciples gathered herbs and spices to uh, uh, anoint his body, yeah. Jesus's body before they buried him. And that's a Jewish custom. The text actually says that it's a Jewish custom. It's customary. If mm-hmm. they're going to have a proper burial to uh, pure, you know, purify the body, anoint the body with oil and different yeah. spices. Um, and uh, according to this, it sounds like I'm making fun of them. Mm-hmm. I'm really not yeah. uh, because this is really the argument that these spices and these herbs were actually special herbs to have Jesus heal from his whip, you know, his scar tissue from Mm. the 40 lashes and the stab wound that he got. And it really was to heal Jesus's body as he is in a coma for three days and um, to make the resurrection possible. Well, Mm. I mean, if we're being clear, that's not evidence from the gospels, right? Mm. So the gospels say, and then here's how they prepared Jesus body for burial and then buried him into in a tomb and sealed it. And then we're surprised to find out that he wasn't there and that he was indeed alive again. It's so you can't say that it's therefore evidence in the gospels to say, yeah, and look, they they put this stuff on his body and it actually healed him and he didn't die. He was he was comatose and this is what this healed and revived and revived him. But that's to that's to take a, a similar data point that they prepared his body in a certain way mm-hmm. and to say actually it was medicine instead of it was preparation for burial. Yeah, because that's not what the gospels say. That's yeah. not the that's not what the New Testament says at all in any place. There's not a single place except that um, there was a concern that there might be a conspiracy about why Jesus' body was gone or where are we going to say that it went. Mm, but mm. Um, but there's nothing in the New Testament that gives any indication that Jesus survived his crucifixion, only that he was shockingly and amazingly alive after he was re- after everyone saw him die. Yeah. Uh, and so it's interesting. I, they, they have very interesting explanations for um, – some of the data points that we might point to that mm-hmm. confirm Jesus's death, yeah. like him being stabbed uh, in the, they actually, interestingly enough, say that Jesus being stabbed and when blood and water poured out, it, they say that that's evidence that he did survive because if he had died on the cross, the blood would have congealed. It would yeah. have solidified. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. So then that was my, that was my reaction. Yeah. To it. Huh? Like, so I think, you and I might be tempted to camp out here and talk about how that sure. doesn't like how that does not make sense of the crucifixion story. But what is what is their gospel like? What is their good news that comes from that? Mm. Yeah, uh, what comes from that is uh, well, the second coming second coming has already happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth that has come to unite the world is here. Yeah, and there it was their gospel from the minute we walked in was plastered on the side of the building in giant letters, mm-hmm. love to all mankind mm-hmm. and hate for no one. 
Mm. So mm. if you are a Christian, you can attend their mosque. If you're a Buddhist, you can attend their mosque. Mm. If you're not a Muslim, you can attend their mosque. Mm-hmm. They believe it, it is basically, as far as I can tell, I'm not trying to misrepresent, yeah. basically like a universalist kind of like progressive Islam. Yeah. That's like, huh. no, I mean, there's, uh, there's truth in every religion. Right. Like it doesn't, I mean, Christians, uh, Jesus was uh, the Messiah, but he, he wasn't God. And he mm-hmm. came back to tell us that. Yeah. And, uh, and so weird. It's basically kind of this like very humanitarian, like universalist kind of religion. And so they're very mm-hmm. big on that. They were very, uh, uh, you know, uh, excited to tell us about their humanitarian work across the world, which mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm happy that they're providing wells for people who need wells yeah. and uh, hospitals for people who need it. Um, but there's no sense uh, that I was able to get mm-hmm. that there's something wrong with the world, mm-hmm. that I'm separated from my creator, mm-hmm. that I that uh, there's a way to correctly worship my creator. It's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. They had a monument in their mosque yeah. to different religions. They had huh. a Christian church right here and they had a Hindu uh, temple right there and then a Buddhist one and then a mosque. They had the Kaaba in Mecca mm-hmm. and they're like, no, all of them have been teaching the same thing, huh. mm-hmm. which is to uh, love each other. Yeah. So, th- mm-hmm. so their gospel is love for everyone and hate for no one. Yes. Okay. I mean, Oh my gosh, I have so many things I'd like to say and question and think out loud about. Unpack some of that. Well, yeah, so you said something like it's their contention that there's truth in every religion. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's a claim that Christians need to run from because I think all these sort of religious um, creations, right? These religious. Uh, foundations and structures that are mm-hmm. that humanity is made up. They're all trying to sort of answer the same basic question, mm-hmm. and so and I think that since we're all bearers of God's image, we're sort of pointed in a spiritual direction. So it's not a surprise to me that there would be some bit of truth um, in any religious tradition. Like I feel like they get uh, get something get something right because we're aimed. I think as a as creatures, we're aimed at spiritual truth, and we have an instinct about what what the problem is. And I mean, at, at its most basic level, you notice that every every person ever is is like struggle struggles with the sense of guilt. Like I feel guilty, and there's something wrong with the universe, that and justice needs to happen. And so there's a sense that I I somehow have failed, and injustice is happening, but ju- justice needs to happen and something isn't right. Things aren't the way that they ought to be. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really have a problem with that idea. And, and like some of my favorite thinkers say, all truth is God's truth, right? If it's true, it belongs to God. And we don't need to be, um, we don't need to be afraid of that. Like God owns the truth. But to say something like all of the religions are basically the same, especially when you're comparing Islam, Christianity, uh, Buddhism, and Hinduism is just, flatly false yes. i mean it's just mm. and we can it, it's easiest to see in jesus main claim of exclusivity right that mm. that i'm the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father but by me mm-hmm. um that's you cannot you either have to not take jesus seriously or claim he didn't say that or say that he meant something different by that if what you're going to do is say all religions are basically the same because they, they make claims that are incompatible with one another mm-hmm. right so if one faith says the sky is red and the other says the sky is blue you can't say well they're teaching basically the same thing that the sky has a color well no no mm-hmm. no that's to sort of zoom out too far and misunderstand what religion is doing and then to me that's really really interesting because jesus himself 
said that the path to destruction is wide. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. you can see you can see the lie in the false gospels that what they do is widen the path. And they go, actually, mm-hmm. no, no, no. We're all on the path. We're all on the path to eternal life. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. The path to eternal life is narrow and few will find it. Mm-hmm. And the path to self-destruction is is very wide. And he doesn't say self-destruction. He says destruction. But the the path to destruction is what is wide. And so to see this impulse over and over and over again that says, no, 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 we're all on the same path. Jesus would half agree, right? Yes, you are all on the same path, a path to destruction and eternal separation mm, from God Almighty. That's good. That's yeah, that's good. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna steal that from you. Again. Uh, well, that's I stole it from Jesus. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it's uh, and and here's a really important point. Mm. And I've been saying this for a long time because mostly because the chief among sinners when it comes to uh, yeah the chief among sinners in this area uh, is me. Mm. And so I'm not I and I didn't bring this up as a topic to talk about on the podcast uh, to make fun of these guys. Yeah, of course. Right? Mm-hmm. And and. I don't. I don't think that it's a false gospel, um, or that they're deceived because the beliefs are weird. Mm, because mm-hmm. Christians have weird beliefs. Yeah, yeah. We believe yeah, some we weird things, mm. and so we believe. Depending on your reading of the text, I certainly do believe that a man was swallowed by a fish and lived yeah. there for three days. Yeah. Mm. I believe that a virgin gave birth to a child. Yeah. We've got talking donkeys. We've <laughs> talking got talking snakes. snakes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so Christians believe some weird things and I have no problem saying that. Right. Mm. Um, And so uh, they're not uh, on the path of destruction because they believe weird things. Right. They believe they're on the path of destruction because there's no life in this gospel. Right. Because Mm. there's nothing about this gospel that fixes what is wrong with the world, which is our separation from our creator. Mm. Mm. And so I kept waiting for it and I gave him opportunities. I gave him, I was like, well, man, like, you know, what is like, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Like in response to like what you're telling me mm-hmm. or you have asked him is like, you know, is there anything you want to know about what Christians think about like some of these issues that you're talking about? Like even multiple chances to yeah. like hear it or say it, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it's it, just like Mormonism, right? I don't think Mormons are on the path to destruction because they have weird beliefs. It's right. very common for mm-hmm. Christians to make fun of Mormon mm-hmm. beliefs. Um, and I get it. There's some weird beliefs in Mormonism. Yeah. But the most important thing is that the gospel that Mormons preach, the gospel that Mahdiya Islam preaches or that mm-hmm. Islam in general preaches, is that it has no life in it. Yeah. It, it doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work because um, – well, it really doesn't work because their prophet is dead and our prophet is alive. Mm-hmm. And he's coming back again. And so I think uh, – uh, those are some of the things I think we've, we've camped out there for a while. I'm really interested to hear uh, your experience mm. uh, with the Buddhist temple. I don't know if mm. you had anything to say about uh, what I just said or if you just yeah. want to jump into that. But yeah, um, I'll just say really quickly, yeah. like um, a lot of what you described about your visit um, is terrifying as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cause it is beautiful in a lot of ways. Like obviously the slogan, uh, love everyone, hate no one. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a beautiful and like it feels good. It sounds good. Right. Um, and the, um, them learning the Quran growing up, learning to sing like those melodies and memorizing all that, like that's mm. beautiful tradition. And mm-hmm. just like, I thought so too. Yeah. It paints like a very mm-hmm. beautiful and like a picture that you could want to be a part of very easily. And they're like welcoming and obviously like evangelistic or missional. Yeah. Like they, 
the imam brought you into his office and mm-hmm. talked with you. I think you said like for an hour or two after. Oh, it was like two right? hours. We talked yeah. about a ton of stuff. Yeah. And they were very, to illustrate your point, mm-hmm. very kind. Every mosque I visited, they were loving and hospitable mm-hmm. and wanted to talk more. And they mm-hmm. weren't all like, oh, you, you're a Christian. Like, it, no, they were yeah. very, very hospitable and very yeah. kind. But, yeah. but yeah. So just, yeah, it's, it's beautiful and they're very kind and, um, they have a beautiful thing to share. Right. But the, like you said, it, their message has no life in it. Mm-hmm. And like we can, um, or they can, uh, bring people into the beautiful fold that they have and keep them there. Um, but the place that we have to get to, like with their hearts and their minds is mm-hmm. to see that there is no life. Like it's just the beauty that's mm-hmm. on the surface. Like that's the fullness of it. Like that's the full extent of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So I have, um, yeah. So <laughs> yes. Uh, one, uh, similar visit. So I went to, um, a Sikh temple mm-hmm. and a Buddhist, um, gathering of sorts mm-hmm. um i'll like quickly speed through the seek one um because that one so the assignment um basically asked us to go to services as if we were someone attending so not as a critical christian who's sitting back there criticizing and writing notes throughout their service um or just going and talking to people of different faiths um but instead to go and attend a service as an attendee so the Sikh one I, uh, I went to with a group and we just naturally ended up, it was kind of like a field trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Buddhism one, that one I got to um, be an attendee. So the um, Sikh temple um, had some interesting things that were similar to your experience. Um, a lot of tradition, a lot of like we, so we walked in what we would call the sanctuary and um they have a, it was a bed with tons of beautiful, intricate, um, I don't know, just decorations and mm-hmm. obviously things that have a lot of meaning, um, or that you would think have a lot of meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a book and that's, um, yeah. So without getting too far into explaining their beliefs for you, go look it up if you don't know. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, just their worship service was very there were a lot of there was a lot of symbolism and um, a lot of tradition there and they were very kind like the um, young lady and her father who gave the tour to our little field trip group were very kind people and they even told us how um, there's at any time of any day in any Sikh temple there's always one person at least who's staffing the kitchen so that anyone can walk into their temple Mm-hmm. and get food mm. so they fed us there um but literally at all times of the day any Sikh temple around the world they told us you can find someone in there with food and right now they're in the ukraine sending food there and mm-hmm. um yeah so um very kind a lot of tradition and all of that kind of stuff um but the i kind of got to the same point as you were describing where I was pressing them for, um, you know, what does this amount to? Like, mm-hmm. what happens in the end? And basically, they just were dodging the question altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really, I asked about an afterlife, and they were like, ah, well, we don't really have a stance on that. Um, and I was like, okay, well, what's the point? Like, because they mm-hmm. uh, have a really 
strong sense of morality and um, a strong conviction that we ought to be good moral people. Um, but there was no real purpose other than the effects that you would receive for that morality in this life. Mm. So you'll, if you do this, then that's a wise thing and it mm. will bear good fruit. Mm. Do they yeah. believe in God or anything? Or um, Yeah, I I won't go into that okay. whole thing because it's, yeah, it, I would have to study way more sure. mm. because okay, for my Christian ears, I was trying to ask those kinds of questions and they were giving me answers that I just totally didn't understand. Okay. So they have a very different belief system from ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even asked about, um, they have gurus um, who over time like um, have basically been uh, reincarnated or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, so they now at this point they have a book that was left by the 10th guru mm-hmm. and that book is what they um, worship and learn from. Um, but the original guru, I asked the people who were giving us the tour, um, where did the original guru come from? And like, how did he know that he was a guru or, you know, a prophet in other religions? Sure. And their answer was just, I, oh, I'm not sure. I've never thought about that. Um, which I'm sure that someone, you know, has an answer in yeah. the Sikhism belief, has an answer to that question. Um, but it was just interesting that those kind of questions that Christians, you know, we regard as really important and you ought to know these certain things to defend your faith and all that kind of stuff. Um, they didn't have a lot of answers to those questions that I posed. So yeah, that one was, um, yeah, its own thing. The Buddhism one. Yeah. That, okay. So I'll get into that um, (laughs) experience. Yeah. This will be, uh, what we'll spend most of the conversation, rest of the conversation on. So yeah. Yeah. So, um, this one was interesting right from the start. Um, I had to, learn how to even speak correctly when calling the different uh, Buddhist temples around the area because mm-hmm. um, I was asking for a worship service or a Sunday service or something mm-hmm. like that. And they were really confused about what I was asking. <laughs> yeah. I had yeah. the same experience. <laughs> Hi, is this yeah. Buddha? When's church? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was an interesting experience. A few calls just went nowhere because they didn't know what I was asking for. Yeah. I didn't understand why they were confused. And then I did some research online and figured out what questions to ask. Um, but eventually Alan and I went to a meditation session that was led by a man who was previously a Buddhist monk. Um, and it, he was there for seven years, I think, in China as a oh, okay. monk in China. Gotcha, okay. Um, so we went to this meditation session that was held in a basically a multi, a small multi-purpose room oh. um, mm-hmm. in like a psychology building. So it was just a room that they had rented out. Mm. How many people um, were there? It was uh, three in addition to me and Alan. Oh, okay. And then the um, monk leading. So, yeah, that was really interesting. Mm. Um, It wasn't in a churchy building at all. Mm -hmm. No religious symbolism anywhere. So, like, very different from your experience at the um, mosque and very different from the Sikh temple that I went to. Um, And I went in there and, you know, thought I might have to sit a certain way. And I asked the instructor, and he was like, oh, no, sit however you like. So there was a couch, so mm-hmm. me and Alan sat on the couch. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that 
service we went through as attendees. Um, on the front end, he asked us our names and asked why we were there. And we told him that we were Christians from a Christian university um, visiting different services to just be an attendee. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went through it just following his instruction. And it was just a meditation session. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of conversation, getting to know each other at the beginning. And then he said, if you'd like to close your eyes, you can. And just kind of, we had our eyes closed mm-hmm. and he said things to guide our thinking for 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually it came to a close and um, none of it was forced at all. So it, it's yeah. really weird. It, it wasn't programmatic like we're used to at all. Um, like there was no sense of, okay, we're going to do this now. Mm-hmm. It was just like suggestion the whole way through. Hmm. And even before he let us in the meditation session, um, he didn't say, okay, so listen carefully to what I have to say and make sure you follow my instructions. He was like, just consider these suggestions. Like, just relax and, um, yeah, try to stop thinking. Or, hmm. um, it, Yeah, it's really tough to get into the language without yeah. explaining the meaning behind it. Um but yeah, that session came to a close, and then we spent probably an hour or two afterwards talking about, um, we got into a really fun debate, um, not debate, a really fun conversation sure. where he was like, hey, so you probably think Buddhism's weird now, like after sitting through a meditation session, mm-hmm. um, so what do you think is weird about it? And then I was like, well, I think you probably think Christianity is weird, so I got to tell them the gospel. Awesome. Um, and tell them all the weird miracles that we believe in and the weird parts of our faith and just kind of compare the two. And we had a really cool, um, genuine conversation. Um, but okay. Okay. Yeah. So what's, what's their gospel? Yeah. 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 So there, um, a few key things to note from that whole experience. Um, the instructor multiple times throughout the session um, even while we were meditating, um, he wasn't shy to use cuss words or mm-hmm. expletives. Um, like he cussed particularly when describing the world and life. Mm. And he described them always in a negative light mm-hmm. and acknowledged that there is suffering and pain and mm-hmm. misfortune and evil mm. yeah. in the world. So he talked a lot about that. Um, and... Yeah, so just that was interesting to me. I know know you probably have a thousand thoughts. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so he talked about those things, and then we kind of got into that in our conversation afterwards, and I was like, so you recognize this stuff? Like, what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. And um, that's where, for the Buddhist, meditation, um, and really it's this idea of like um, all this misfortune and suffering comes from the desires that you have in the first mm-hmm. place. So the mm. egocentric desires that we have, which they recognize, and it sounds really similar to Jesus saying, you know, your heart is the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so they recognize this root of desires as the thing that causes all this dis-ease mm. that we have with the world. Um, so, yeah, I'm and, sure. You well, and so uh, I had always understood mm-hmm. uh, Buddhism to basically teach what you – what you just described is that the problem with the world is, is desires, just desires period. Mm-hmm. 
And the solution, as far as I've understood it, is to cut off your designer desires. Mm. So reaching nirvana is um, when you're finally free of the desires to like eat or whatever, I guess. If mm. you're like a, a glutton, you know, it's like, well, my desire is to eat a lot. So I reach nirvana or I get closer to nirvana if I cut off my desire to eat. Was that kind of like the idea that he yeah. was like, you know, preaching? Yeah, he um, – except he wasn't going really far into any tradition. Even So I pressed on that a little bit mm. and asked like um, – yeah, just questions like that. Like how does this solve the problem? Um, why does this solve the problem? Things like that. And one of the things he said um, was not even anything the Buddha taught was totally true. Mm. So it makes it like really difficult. Can you say that to, one more time? Yeah. <laughs> I was looking something up. So – um, I yeah, I was asking him those kinds of questions. Like I was act- asking for solid answers. Yeah, and he said, um, in the middle of giving me some answers to entertain my questions, um, he mentioned like, oh well, not even anything the Buddha taught was totally true. <laughs> no, so you want to take that? Yeah. No. <laughs> what do you think about that? Gosh, I've got a. Can I just go? Yeah, did sure. You just why did you just pull my string and I get yeah, just yeah, go? go for it? We have time. <laughs> Do we have time? We do. Okay. So my – gosh. So everyone wants a slice of Jesus, which we talked about. Mm. But what's really interesting is people keep getting a part of the gospel, right? So, Mm. And I think that satisfies a a certain part of us, right? So there are – say a thousand. There are many, many streams of Buddhism. Buddhism is more of like – I don't even say an impulse or an instinct, but it's not one thing, right? It's not like Mm, a religion that's one thing and these are its – it allows in its core philosophy lots of leeway for new discovery and a better way of understanding. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the initial initial Buddha had some really excellent and wise things to say and they were sort of carrying on his tradition. And so there are lots of streams of that kind of thought. But look at what they get right. They're right, like they see the problem of the – of um, corrupted desires, right? We, mm-hmm. we want the wrong things. And uh, Jacob, when you talked about the the gospel according to uh, the the certain group of Muslims that yeah. you that you um, Mahdiya Islam yeah. yeah yeah the the Muslims that you visited it's like well we want to love everybody and hate nobody and all of the and the the path is wide right there's all and and there's something about you're like yeah I yeah, love everybody that's good like when Jesus said that stuff we're like whoa that's kind of crazy what do you mean love your enemies and and go, if someone forces you to walk a mile like walk another mile with them and if you're slapped in the face like show them your other cheek so they get slap you in that side mm. all this really radical stuff and we but but okay here's here's the problem the problem is that scripture describes us as dead in our trespasses Mm -hmm. the problem with us like you guys have said is that the the gospel that you've heard from these two different um in these two or three different places is that there's no life in their in their good news Mm -hmm. there's no life there and here's what i take that to mean is that scripture just describes us as dead that is completely separated from god and what we need is new life and what these false gospels do is is something like "Yeah, yeah yeah we're dead but how can we best decorate this corpse, mm-hmm. right? It's like, how can we, how can we approximate life? How can we, like, what's the, what's the best way to prepare this dead body so it looks and seems alive? So as you were describing, uh, Bailey, your, your um, conversation with the, with the Sikhs, it's like, well, here are all the good things, here are all the good things we're doing. You're like, yeah, but how does that make you alive? And I go, well, but 
it, there are all these bad things in the world and so we're counteracting those and trying to do good things in the world and you're like yeah but where do you get your life from mm. and it reminded me of um uh so it's, it's such a stupid it's a good metaphor well, i don't know if it's good but stupid but here's what it reminded me of is uh alan and i are brewing kombucha at home which is like know. hippie tea <laughs> <laughs> hippie tea um but one of the th- so I'm thinking about how am I gonna I'm gonna make this hippie tea and it's a little bit sour and how am I gonna sweeten it? I can sweeten it with stevia drops, right? There are these mm. there the there's this liquid and a couple drops of it are really really potent and they definitely will make it taste sweet. But there's no nutrition mm. in that sweetness, mm. and so so uh, when I hear the different gospels that you guys are are describing, it's like that. It's like it tastes sweet. It's like yeah, and we get. That do good things and be kind and make sure that we've always got someone in the kitchen to feed people. It's like, yeah, yeah, that that's that has the sweetness and something attractive and something mm-hmm. we want to taste. But scripture says to taste and see that the Lord is good. And so what you get are these tastes of sweetness that will kill you. You can't live on st- – you could live on sugar. I mean it would be it would not be a great existence, but you could. You cannot live on stevia and you can't live on – NutraSweet. You can't live on saccharin. All they do is taste kind of right. They taste close enough that yeah. that it scratches the itch, right? It tastes sweet, mm. and now my desire for sweetness has been has been curbed and satiated. But you don't get any life. In fact, what you're doing is is dying while tricking your tongue into think that you're feeding mm. it live things. And so I think that's just one of the genius strategies of the enemy is you give let's give them something that tastes sweet enough to feel like they're getting nutrition it tastes sweet enough but it's like it tastes like coke right it tastes like coke but it actually isn't giving anything that their bodies can live on they're they're not digesting it they're not processing it it just comes right out of them and then once it's out of them they can just eat the saccharin again and what it's doing is leading to death while making the corpse like look really beautiful yeah I the the only thing I could add to that would be the words of Jesus, mm-hmm. and so but that was so good, so I can't prove that is what I'm saying. <laughs> we'll let Jesus improve. <laughs> maybe Jesus yeah. can improve. None of us are even close. Um, so. But before I read this, this is very gosh, I this is so relevant. But uh, before I read this, uh, uh, we do have to wrap up. We really only just have a couple of minutes. Uh, but uh, if we want to uh, explore. Uh, some of those themes or more of those th- oh, gosh, more of those themes on a future episode uh, we totally can mm-hmm. I'm sure that we love talking about this stuff but I think that that last thing you just talked about where it's like well nothing the Buddha said really is even true like or, or is even for sure absolutely mm-hmm. true mm-hmm. Um, and that just gives the that just gives the game away in in my mind like mm-hmm. that just really the whole thing really just kind of collapses. Uh, Jesus uh, unwaveringly committed to his words being the truth, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. he is the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, many places, I'm reading through the Gospel of Mark right now, um, you know how many times in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark Jesus embarrasses the truth makers, the scribes, yeah. the authorities of his day because of what he says that uh, – it says that – he spoke with a kind of authority that the religious leaders of their day did not have. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it says it in this passage that I brought up, not from Mark, but it says it right here, uh, the same thing. But here's what Jesus says, not just about his exclusivity, but about this kind of concept of like everyone taking a piece of Jesus. Yeah. Here's mm-hmm. what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. 
We got to put that in brackets. We have mm. to understand that. Yeah. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, not just a wide as the path, yeah, right. not just a few, right. many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare from them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Mm. And so I don't say that with any any kind of joy or like any kind of like, I'm not like, yeah, get him, Jesus. I'm yeah. just like, mm-hmm. we have to recognize Christians and we have to recognize this here in Norway. That's kind of why we've been talking about this is that the, everybody who wants a slice of Jesus, whether it's in the secular realm or in the religious realm, Islam, Buddhism, Hindu, anyone who wants a slice of Jesus has to understand that just because it looks like Jesus or sounds like Jesus because it says love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it is Jesus. Right. And Jesus spent a lot of time warning about false messiahs for a reason. Mm. It's because false messiahs look like Jesus. Right. They sound like mm. Jesus and uh, but they're not Jesus. Can I interrupt you real quick? Please. I feel like I feel like it would be tragic if we missed this. Go ahead. So we, I, I talked about the false gospel that the that the world gives and its various flavors that all tell us how we can decorate a corpse. And the scripture says that our problem is that we are dead. And the cause of our death is sin. And what we need is to be made alive by by having our sin paid for. And only Jesus does that. So if what you're hearing is a story that says sin isn't real, or if what you're hearing is a story that says something like, you can overcome this sin yourself by doing good things in this world, what you're getting is more ways of making a corpse look alive without actually addressing the issue, which is you have sinned and your sin has separated you from God Almighty and the perfect relationship that he's designed for us and that Christ's work paid for that and he proved it by getting up from the dead. So if your gospel doesn't doesn't include that, right. then it's not good news. Mm. It's, it, it's just better make up for your dead there's body. There's no life in that. There's no, yeah. there's no life. It might look alive, right? It might be, have you guys uh, been to like a uh, museum with wax sculptures? Like, yes. Those mm. things look alive. There's no life. There's no life in those. There's no life in a good news that does not take care of your sin, and mm-hmm. you can't do it yourself, and nobody else has done it. Only Jesus has. So when you tell a story about Jesus that includes all the nice things like being good to your neighbors, which is that's Jesus doesn't say that in a vacuum, of course. But nevertheless, if what you just include are, if you can turn them into platitudes and say this is what Jesus was up to was be nice and kind to everybody. No, that's not. Jesus was up mm. to his father's work, which was telling us the truth about who God is and getting humanity's sin paid for. Mm. So if your good news does not include that, it's not good news at all. What it is is saccharin. It's NutraSweet. It's stevia drops that are killing you but tasting all right. Yeah, couldn't have said it any better myself. So yeah, I bet I, you could have. No, nah, <laughs> uh, I think I'm, I'm going to uh, – Let's leave it on that note. So uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, hearing our stories. We hope you enjoyed uh, hearing our thoughts on these different gospels, these different ways that these 
uh, fortunately, false religions mm. are trying to reach our culture, and uh, we have the real medicine, and we have the best tool to counteract them, which is the true gospel mm-hmm. that gives life that Cam just articulated. So, if you don't believe that message, uh, we want to encourage you to repent and put your faith in Jesus, because that is the only message that mm-hmm. saves. Mm-hmm. And Jesus hasn't come back yet; He's coming back, mm-hmm. and so we hope to see you then uh, when He does come back. But For now, God willing, if he doesn't come back next week, we'll see you again next week. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Word First Radio. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to learn more about Word First and how you can support the ministry spiritually and financially, check us out at wordfirst.us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Word First Radio, and we'll see you again next week. God bless. God bless.